This is Film Center. Your number one show for real entertainment industry news. No fluff, all facts. Now, here are your anchors, Derek Johnson II and Nicholas Killian. Center News. My name's Derek Johnson II. I'm Nicholas Killian. And what are we getting today, Nicholas? Today, we are talking to a very special person. Could you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Allison Srebnik. I'm a production manager at Titmouse Animation Studios. What's up? How you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. How was the drive? Was oh it a bit of a drive? <laughs> oh my gosh. You guys are out here. Yeah. Hey, but at least we introduced you to the coffee, we though. Did introduce, we, we, we introduced her to some coffee before the show. I think it's pretty good. I don't know. Do you like it? Oh, my God. I love it. Not <laughs> worth the drive, exactly, because I wouldn't be able to make it without a French press. But right. thank you so much. As you guys know, Film Center News uh, is mobile. We're here today in uh, Westlake. Yeah. Yes. So, Allison, do you want to tell uh, the audience a little bit about where you're from? Sure. I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. I Shout went out to, to Columbia. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> I went to Savannah College of Art and Design back in, and graduated in 2012, majored in animation, and realized I didn't want to be an animator. I wanted to work in production. What, but what initially drew you to animation? Was there anything you saw when you were young that was like, oh, I need to be a part of this? I'm about to date myself, but I was born in 1988, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out in 1988, and the rest is history. That Saw is a, that. such a classic. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. The combination of WB and Disney? <laughs> Saw that when I was in diapers before I could even talk. My parents couldn't turn the TV off. I was bound to work in animation. <laughs> That's awesome. That, there's so much technical aspects that went into that movie, the mixture of live action and animation. And on top of the fact that uh, I think it's the only time you get to see Donald Duck and Daffy Duck together. On the same screen. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure. No, you are absolutely correct. And if you want any history, thanks to Savannah College of Art and Design's History of Animation, turns out the reason why Roger Rabbit looks the way he does is because it's a combination of Mickey Mouse's design and a rabbit for... Bugs Bunny. And when Bugs Bunny and Mickey show up on the screen, they have the same number of consonants and vowels in what they are saying, as well as the same amount of time in which they are on the screen. Same for Daffy and Donald Duck. Really? Wow, I didn't know that (laughs) at all, actually. When did you, is there a reason for that? Why do you think they did that? You think Disney and WB were going to actually go, oh, no, Mickey should be the main character. <laughs> I didn't know if it was like a petty thing. I knew thing, it was a like legal a... thing. I was like, it's probably legal. Illegal okay. was probably legal. Hey, of course. It... I heard that they were going to try to make a sequel. I'm actually glad they didn't. I like the, I like. I think it's good the way it is. No, it's perfect because it's a combination of the old school Disney, black and white, Steamboat Willie kind of stuff that they're doing there. And they're playing all these animation jokes. For example, if you look at Dip, which is the thing that kills all of the cartoons. Yes. Well, that's Cell Cleaner. It's what? It's Cell Cleaner. Oh, (laughs) I didn't know that was Really? Exactly. For those who are listening who might not know what that is, can you explain a little bit? Before we had the computer, we did all of the animation on the cellophane-like 
sheets. Right. And so they would do the inking and the painting and everything on these, and that was how they would do the animation. But what's interesting is it's very hard to find some of these cells because cellophane was so expensive that they would just kept cleaning off these beautiful pieces of artwork that were the frames of animation. So it sad. was yeah. They make me so sad. They all there's probably a whole bunch of images out there that are really great that we'll guess we'll never be able to see. We will never be able to see. So you graduated college in two thousand and twelve. Mm -hmm. How long did it take before you made your way out to Los Angeles? When I graduated in 2012, Scat had left me with the feeling of I'm the worst artist in the world and why did I go out to art school? Which is usually what most students yeah. That's how I felt when I went to film school. Uh, I was like, why am I here? <laughs> it's because after these art schools get your money, they then Just go, drop you well, on well, your well, thank head. you so much. It was wonderful. Contact us if you become a famous alumni or maybe we'll contact you or maybe no one will contact you at all and that'll be the end of it. No offense to SCAD, this is just a universal thing across the board with almost every college. But the thing is, what SCAD offered me was the training that I needed, as well as a wonderful relationship with some amazing students. And there I met Zachary Rich, who turned out to become my business partner when, in 2013 when we created Skynamic Studios, made an IP called True Tale, made an animated Flash video with a bunch of our friends. And... Okay, hold, pause, pause. All right, we're speed running this. We are speed running this. Back up a little. Bit. There's so much we have to unpack <laughs> so, here. You're, you're being too modest she's, right she's, now. You're right, exactly. Okay, let's back up to where... What, you say you met him at, at college. I did. So, first of all, they're just going into business. You can't just go into business with just anybody. What about this person stuck out to you? His name is Ben, right? Zach. Zach. Uh. I said Ben. Where is Ben coming from? Shout out to Zach. Zach, if you're listening, <laughs> shout out to you. You're doing a great job, Ben. You've earned her respect. <laughs> to go into business with her. Right. <laughs> I would say that, honestly, what happened was desperation. I had graduated. I come from a family of doctors and pharmacists and lawyers and that kind of thing. So I was that black sheep of the family. Creative. I was creative. creative? And oh they're like, gosh. what side of the brain is that? We <laughs> don't know how that operates. When you had told your parents that you wanted to pursue this career path what was their reaction <laughs> good one allison yeah yep facts I, I remember when i told i remember i told my dad i wanted to go into entertainment and he was like yeah okay so that's like your hobby but what do you want to do what are you series? gonna do to pay right. the bills right yeah my cousin who at the time was going off to medical school to become a neurosurgeon and now he's a pediatric neurosurgeon in Ohio. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is what I have to deal with. Um, <laughs> he pulls me aside during 4th of July um, of my senior year in high school, or my junior year into high school, and he says, I have a friend who went out to Los Angeles because he wanted to be a director. Do you know what he does now, Allison? He's a pizza delivery man. Do you want that for your life? What kind of pizzas? <laughs> <laughs> Might be some really great pizzas. Right, so I went pre-med. So my very first year of college, I was pre-med and went to a school that had no art. And after about a semester of doing that, I realized, God, I'm lonely and sad and depressed. And this is what it feels like to become a doctor. <laughs> I don't think so. They say nothing makes an artist want to create more when you deprive them of their paint. 
Yep. And then what was the breaking point of, okay, I I'm have to do this. this. I'm, not, I'm changing. I don't care. I started taking botany and I went, God, I really don't want to study plants. I don't mind drawing them, but I really <laughs> don't want to do this. So I called mom and dad and I said, please let me go to Savannah College of Art Design. these Punnett squares. <laughs> and they said, no, you can go do graphic design. We think we'll at least stomach that. But we'll compromise. Yes, we'll compromise. So you On go, your life, they're going to compromise. Yes, so we'll go, you can go to the University of South Carolina and you can major in graphic design. First day at... USC, not here on the West Coast, on the East Coast, people. Um, yeah, I got in the car when, because my mother would not let me drive, so she had to drive me to college. Love, really, why really did embarrassing. She, she, why did she not allow you to drive to college? I don't even know. <laughs> Honestly, she's. It's dangerous. There's no parking. You're gonna hurt yourself. There's no parking at the college? Of course, there's parking at the college. I'll she just didn't want me to have the car. <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa really? Just... <laughs> but my mother picked me up from my first day of my sophomore year of college, and I got in the car, and I said, "I've decided. I'm going to Savannah College of Art and Design, and you're paying for it. And that's the end of story. Okay? So I'll go for the rest of this year, but I'm taking art classes, and we're transferring." And she goes, oh, you've never been so angry before. <laughs> that was like, whoa. Okay, Allison, I'll get an art scholarship and an academic scholarship and you can go. Bang, done, went to Savannah in 2010. That's so interesting to hear how, you know, we have had a lot of people on this show. And parts of it, the part of it that always impresses me is that breaking point. There's a lot of, you know, there's never like a breaking point that you hear in other industries. No one's like, that's it. I'm becoming a doctor. <laughs> you know that's it. I just have to be an engineer. You're right. <laughs> that, that, that's done. I'm doing. I'm gonna be I a do biologist. roads and bridges. That's just my lifeblood. Dad, like, I want to be an engineer. Why won't you let me do it? No, son. You're gonna do the pizza company. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna work at the bar. So it's so interesting to hear the that part of people's lives. And so then, but you said that you were like, oh, I don't think I I want to do animation. Me personally. Now, when you said, now I do know that you. For a fact, you still want to be that part, right? <laughs> you work at Titmouse. Obviously, you like still like animation. Of course. So then what happened where you were like, I'm not going to be an animator? Drawing the same thing over and over again is a, a special skill. You have to understand volume and shape and the physics of motion, the illusion of life within the 2D form. It's a lot. Drawing on the twos, drawing on the, yeah. yeah. All, all those frames, all those panels, everything that you're doing. And I just got tired and got carpal tunnel and drove myself into like craziness until one day I looked over at a senior's Cintiq and he had all of these spreadsheets open because mm -hmm. he was the producer for four senior films. Wow. And I went, what, what is that? And it was like all of a sudden, oh, the angels sang, and there it was. The production. clouds, the, the clouds yeah. parted. It was it. Like that was it. It was love at first spreadsheet. I love at first spreadsheet. I knew. Was it? It, it was Google Docs. Google, I'd Google never Docs. seen. This is the beginning of Google Docs. So this is in 2010. That like I graduated high school in 2000. <laughs> but I, I quickly realized that. What I loved was the story and the creativity that people brought to the table with each IP and each show and episode and short. 
I didn't want to be the artistic hand. I wanted to be the voice of reason that gave them comfort and support so that they could be the best they possibly could be. And that was it. I knew from then on. So I tanked my classes and only worked in producing as many senior and graduate films as I possibly could. How many did you end up doing? About around five or so. Six if I count my own. That's still a lot of projects. But I loved it. I loved it. I loved everything. And every single one of them was different and brought different challenges. So when I graduated in 2012 and my parents said, you can't go out to Los Angeles until you have a job, desperation kicked in. And I found out that my friend Zachary Rich at the time was creating his own online studio And I went, yo, dude, hey, remember me? (laughs) We took that one Digicel class together where we learned Flash. Wasn't that fun? Please let me in. And from there, I kicked out every single person that he had that was production and took over. Wow. (laughs) And became his business partner. That's awesome. What was the the conversation like with your parents whenever you were an animator and then you were like, actually, I don't want to be an animator. I now want to be a producer. So... Many years later, after I'd moved out to Los Angeles and become a production manager, my parents told me a very depressing thing. I hope they never hear this radio for. We never thought you were going to make it. We just knew we were throwing money away to let you have a dream for a minute, and then you'd come back to reality. Wow. Wow. That's pretty heavy. That is that is pretty It's fact that they'd be like, eh, we're just going to, we're just And this burning. is your parents. This is your parents. Yes. You know, what does that mean? Was there any hints that they thought that previously? Obviously, they wanted you to do something else, but were they ever like, no, I was what simple. are you doing out there? No, I was simple and stupid and believed that mommy and daddy would never, ever think poorly of me. And no, that was 100% wrong. It's flex now. <laughs> it's good flex now. Yeah. So now looking back on it, now I talk at panels and this and everything, and I'm mentoring people to get into the industry I look back at that and I go, this is something I can actually use to tell people it's okay if your parents don't support your idea. And even like at a panel that I I did a a number of years ago, I said, your children are not going into this field to just be artists. They are going into this field to find their people. Mm -hmm. You are not their people. You're not their person. They want to find a community that loves animation and video games and anime and comics and all of these things. Being in South Carolina, I'd go in to see a Disney movie to think I was a pedophile because it's, oh, she's too old. What is she doing in here? There's no child with her. Is she a mother? What is this? Where's, yeah. where's, the, where's, where's the kid who's supposed to be accompanying her to the movies? Exactly. Yeah. So, I'm from, I'm from, yeah. so me and Nicholas are both from the South. He's right. from Louisiana, and we're and I'm from in Tennessee. And in Tennessee, that's definitely the case. It's yeah, like, it's, yeah. It's, it's the same. What like, are you, some kind of weirdo or something? Like, yeah, like, like animation. And then you know what? The same people who will say that you'll be like, oh, I liked Avatar: Last Airbender or some animated show. They're like, oh, I love that show. Oh, but okay. But I'm the so, weirdo. But I'm the weirdo because I'll publicly say mm-hmm. I like it. I feel like a lot more people like animation than they like to let on. At the time. I think that it was getting ready to reach that point of where anime and things were going to start to come over to the country of of South Carolina and its little (laughs) country vision, like little setting. But at the time, it was not accepted. And when I would explain what I did in animation or 
Even today when I go home and people are like, oh, what do you do, Allison? I said, oh, I'm a production manager. And they go, and what, so you draw the cartoons? I was like, no, I manage the team that creates the content. And they're like, oh, I said, logistics. Does that click? Oh, oh, they you do. They look like, oh, I'm going to say yes, but okay, I don't so actually Okay, so you're know. the supply <laughs> demand chain thing. Okay, all you right. You go out in Hollywood and make those talkies. We haven't even gotten color yet back here. <laughs> <laughs> so as recently, Mickey Mouse went into the Steamboat Willie version, to be clear. Went into public domain. Yes. Yes. And first of all, we never thought that Disney would stop lobbying Congress to extend. It's that, not from lack deadline. of trying. Right, that's true. And there's already been a whole bunch of movies that are about to come out of a horror versions. I saw. There's like a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of, I would say, cash grabby items mm-hmm. media wise because yeah, obviously it's Mickey Mouse, right? Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse. How do you, as a production manager, view? this possibility for some things that you work on because eventually everything will enter the public domain. To be completely honest, I think the government is full of crap. As a creator, if my project ever got put up for like auction, basically, Mm -hmm. why don't you just take somebody's child and put them up for sale? That's all you're doing. To a creator, our IPs, our projects, our characters, they're not just a vision on the screen. Mm -hmm. They're our life. There, yeah. There's something that we gave birth to. You put blood, sweat, tears, so many hours into it. I just, I can't agree. I, I know that Mickey Mouse should have never become something like that. If Walt Disney was here, no, absolutely not. And I, that's how we have to think about it. If I hate to go into this explanation, but let's take the Declaration of Independence. Who's going to go and buy that right out of D.C.? Is that up for sale? No. Like, why is it that something that was worked on beloved like that with our founding fathers, with Disney's Mickey Mouse and all of the characters, that has the ability to be put up for sale? That's so interesting because Disney's argument is that, one of the current arguments is that it's the oldest version, the old version of Mickey Mouse, which is not technically the newer Mickey Mouse or any of the newer versions besides that first one that are still under that copyright. And there's a lot of fear. We have spoken with some people who work at Disney. There's a lot of fear of the people associating those as an actual Disney products when they're not actually Disney products. You know what I'm saying? So like Mm -hmm. you said, protecting the IP is important. But there's not really a solution to that right now, is there? I just think that you have to look at the overall IP in general. Mickey Mouse is the definition of Disney. Is it appropriate to put the actual president of Disney up for sale? No. It's so weird. It makes me think of things like the Michelin Man's been around for like how long? But you don't ever see any Michelin Man commercials. You can't do that, (laughs) right? Because he's trademarked. And yet Mickey Mouse, it's like, once again, it's the Steamboat Willie version. Yeah. But yet it's still the same. Any version of Mickey Mouse is a Mickey Mouse. Like our... The Project True Tale that I've been working on for come March 11 years, those characters have been redesigned and edited and updated over and over again. If somebody took the very initial drawings that we did, our Steamboat Willie style Mm -hmm. kind of thing, and went, hey, I'm going to buy that. And own it. And own it. And copyright it. I'd be horrified. 
I'm like, how dare you? How do you have any right to it? Mm. I don't understand it. I, I don't know why this is even a conversation, to be completely honest. It's just government not respecting the lifeblood of a creator. Speaking of not respecting IPs, Avatar <laughs> Last Airbender is going to be on Netflix pretty soon. There's What's interesting about the team is that they have been, I think the world's been very adamant about the M. Night Shyamalan Black yeah, action. Oh, how horrible it was. <laughs> how long will it take me to live this rock? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret that people don't like it. But it's interesting to see people's interpretation of <clears throat> different animations, animation style, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Are you, as, as someone who works in animation, are you excited about it? No, I think no? it's a terrible idea. Because they, they, I think after, they also did One Piece as well. There's been, what, a billion and a half different attempts to redo animation in a live-action form. Why do you think that people want to make that medium? Let's first ask the question of this, which any, if you ever are pitching a project to development, they will ask you, why did you pick animation as your medium to tell your story? Mm. The reason they picked animation to tell their story, or honestly, anyone does, is that the human face cannot emote like that. It's true. Animation has big eyes, big expressions, zany, wacky, slapstick humor that if I do, I will kill you. I do not think that it is a good idea to take a animated property and turn it into a live action property. It doesn't translate because that was not the initial take on it. Mm. They chose animation because that medium would lend itself best to the storytelling that they needed, which is why most of the time when you watch a, sorry, Disney, but you watch any of, say, The Lion King that they did. No, the live action version. It is not going to work. Horrible. Those eyes Horrible. and that face and everything does not emote like Simba and Nala and Zazu and all of them. It, though, it's also specifically Favreau's fault. Because yeah. Favreau said, uh, he, and how many different interviews, he was like, oh, in the live action version, we want to make it look like a documentary. And lions, don't, they don't make faces like they do in animation. So we make Then go movie. watch Big Cat Diaries if you want, to, if you want an animal documentary. No, <sighs> lions do have emotions. I don't know why yeah. they have all these <laughs> still faces in the movie. Animals do have feelings. I don't think he's ever seen real animals, possibly. Maybe that was the issue. He's never... <laughs> I'm sure they were brought in, just like how Jeffrey Katzenberg brought in lions mm -hmm. for the artist when they needed to uh, draw out Simba and all of them. But I do feel very strongly that animation is a medium that is used specifically because of the ability that the human face cannot emote like that. So if you're going to do a live action, you better have the biggest over dramatic, crazy acting, or you're gonna put everybody to sleep because they're gonna be like, wait, that doesn't, that's not working. I just can't wait to be king is such a favorite sequence of mine. Mm -hmm. And a lot of animators love that sequence. A lot of people love the Lion King in general. If someone's, right. oh, I don't like the Lion King, I'm like, oh, so you're not human. That's yeah. cool, you're a social. You're not a person. That's yeah. insane. I wish you actually wish you didn't say that to me. <laughs> I actually don't wanna be around you right, right now. <laughs> right. And then obviously they try to it didn't even look like they really retried to make it. With this upcoming Avatar Last Airbender live action, how do you suppose some of the, what do you think is going to fall uh, under the way, wayside, outside of just the facial expressions? One of the big things will be that you will see a lot of illusion 
illusion stuff where you're going to have a lot of green screen. You're going to have a lot of visual effects. They think that if they polish it up with all of the visual effects and everything, that will sell it. That will push it to where it needs to go. But honestly, I don't trust them on their casting. I don't trust them on being able to give us those 2D effects that honestly left us spellbound while we were watching them as kids. The other big issue is this IP is done. I watched it religiously back when I was in high school. I would even put the kids to sleep early when I was babysitting so that I could watch it at at the house. Such an amazing series. It works phenomenally as animation. But I'm 35 now. What 12-year-old has any clue about this show? They don't. They don't. So who's gonna watch this IP? And if I was a parent, which I'm not, would I want my child, who is seven or eight years old, watching the show? No, you probably. You the animation from before. No, you, I would rather them watch the animation than watch actual people beating themselves up with magical effects. Yeah, you're going to show them the original comparative to just showing them the newer version. Yeah, because I would say, oh, I think this yeah. is cool. I had a similar ex- uh, experience with one of my younger nephews when he likes teen. He was like, oh, I like Teen Titans Go. And I was like, what did you say to me? Oh, and he was I like, hate- yeah. And I was like, all right. I, first of all, I'm going to have to talk with my aunt, your mother. My sister, your mother. Then we're just going to go home. And I actually showed him like all the regular Teen Titans from mm-hmm. when, when it was quality. When and Teen Titans was it. They had the Japanese intro. They also had the English intro. And then after I showed him, after we like binged it over, I think, three or four days. And he was like. Why does Teen Titans Go exist? I was like, thank you. That's what everybody's been trying to find out. Because it's cheaper to make. That's true. That's all it is. It's cheaper to make. Oh, that was the reason? It was because it was cheaper to make? Those little chibi puppet things are much easier to animate and work with than a 22-minute, big, crazy, dynamic Avatar The Last Airbender fighting. These are slapstick, easy stories for someone to digest in little 11-minute chunks. That's it. That's not saying that the writing is bad or anything like that. It's just they know what their audience wants and they are giving it to them. Back then when Teen Titans came out, it was mixed up with Johnny Quest and Mm -hmm. Scooby-Doo and all of these things that had a darker undertone. That darker darker undertone doesn't exactly work in today's animation with SMP. What do you think it's actually because a lot of people who watch those older shows can still really enjoy it. There was this 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 sense where people used to make things not for kids specifically, but for general audiences compared to just specifically kids. And I heard this what what was it, LA Comic Con where someone was saying this? Yeah. And I don't know. I think it should be just a change of the times. But I think that still in today's age, I think we don't give the kids enough respect mentally. I think you said they can handle stuff like that. I think that's 100% accurate. The best way of putting it is S&P in the 90s was all about irreverency. Be wild, be irreverent, create wacky zany stories. How in the world did Hey Arnold get away with Helga's mother having a bloody Mary in the morning every time you saw her? (laughs) Or Ed and Eddie are literally slumlords teaching the children how to steal money 
money from everyone in the neighborhood <laughs> so that you can get candy and rot your teeth out. Like, yeah. it was the age of irreverency. Push the envelope. Push the envelope, which is why cow I believe. Chicken. Oh, exactly. Oh my God! Cow, cow chicken, chicken cat dog. Yeah, cat dog, courage, cow, courage, cowardly dog. All of them. They all had the message of we are wacky, we are zany, we are irreverent, and who cares if we really have plot devices in here or not? We're just gonna let the joke is king. Let's roll with it, kind of thing. SNP was a lot more lax. Take Animaniacs. They literally joke about this, or Tiny Toons. Tiny Toons jokes about this. It's like, we crack up all our sensors. That's SNP they're talking about in that opening line. Mm -hmm. So in the 90s, they just wanted to make content. Cheap, fast, quick content. Mm -hmm. And that's all it was. Today, it's not that way anymore. Do you feel it's more like corporate now? It's on brand. Everything is about brand now. Back then, I couldn't tell the difference between the cartoons that came on Nickelodeon and the cartoons that came on Cartoon Network. That is true. And I knew Disney was more of a family, softer focus. But today, Nickelodeon has a specific brand. Cartoon Network and WB have a specific brand. Disney has a specific brand. Amazon has a specific brand. Even Netflix, when they pick their projects, they're being fairly specific. Everybody's now so scared of having a flop that they've actually branded themselves. Why do you think that each company, besides being scared that it's it's going to be a flop, why do you think that each Disney, Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, why do you think they've all branded themselves so individualistically? What do you, what do you think the reason for that is? My opinion would be that they're scared. SMP has become a lot more strict. It's crazy how strict they are. Like, we couldn't have a character pull a plug out of the wall because that was imitatable behavior. Instead, we had to have them turn the, the switch off on the power strip. Isn't that also imitatable? It behavior? is, but that's a lot safer than, than that. They couldn't start fires. But you could snap your finger and magically have fire in your hand. Avatar had a huge problem with the fire bending mm -hmm. aspect because they're like, oh no, kids will light matches and run around with like little torches and whatever. So I think what has happened is we've reached a point of SMP wants to protect children and protect companies from getting sued. It's honestly, it's very similar to what's happening in the medical field where doctors aren't really even allowed to touch you because they're afraid you're going to sue them. Yeah, I Because the hospital is not going to back the doctor. Exactly. It's going to back itself from getting sued. Precisely. You know what's crazy, is, especially with the... We don't want to get talk too much to the medical field, but WMD <laughs> has destroyed... Has, not destroyed, but I said really made a lot of medical professionals upset because they have a whole bunch of people come in. Oh, yeah, I need this medicine because this website told me that. And they'll say, I'm a doctor, so probably check your medical history first. Nope. If you don't give it to me, I'm going to give you a ter terrible review and I'll tank your business. And you can't say anything about it because of HIPAA. But, uh, Allison, it's been really great having you on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, been a pleasure. Is there anywhere where people can follow you or look up anything that you might have coming out in the future? Honestly, probably the best thing to do is just Google True Tale. It's true, as in, like, true or false. And tail, as in an animal tail, not T-A-L, but T-A-I-L. Mm. And it's about a young kitten named Caleb who's 12 years old. And along with all of his friends, they're going off to be heroes in a 
at a school called True Tale Academy where they train the next generation of heroes. And it's set in a medieval fantasy world. If you like D&D, you're going to love it. And we hope you guys check it out. Cool. Excellent. Thank you so much for uh, being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you. Guys, this has been Film Center News. I'm Derek Johnson II. I'm Nicholas Killian. And we're here with? Allison Sripnik. And we'll see you next time. See y'all. This has been Film Center on Comic-Con Radio. Check out our previous episodes at ComicConRadio.com. You can follow the show at Film Center News on all major social media platforms. Tune in next Wednesday for a fresh update. Until next time, this has been Film Center. Hey, do you like anime and manga? Nick and I are big fans of the genre. Yeah, we recently discovered a manga named Tamashi. It's written and created by Ryan McCarthy, and it recently just came out with its 10th volume. Now, Tamashi is an isekai about a girl who gets transported to another world called the Ancient Lands. She gains mysterious powers and must fight demons and monsters to find her way home. Check it out on Amazon, Blurp, and get a physical copy at RyanMcCarthyProductions.com.